podcast i am one of your hosts Corey, and i go by he him his pronouns i'm sasha i go by she her hers pronouns and this week we have a very special guest with us uh we have with us orlando addison uh let me pull up your bio to make sure that i say everything correctly all right orlando j addison is a Episcopal priest. He's a writer and he is an Afro-Latino advocate. He's an author of the award-winning book, uh, Ernesto Gambao, and he's published several other books, which include Happy Land, Night Was Afraid to Fall, Canto Afro-Latino, Afro-Latin Song, and he has a new book, El Actor y la Sombra. Uh, which was published this year. Is that correct? Awesome. So feel free to introduce yourself. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to, an honor to be part of Cozy uh, Chat podcast and to share with you and your audience a little bit about myself and the work that I'm doing. Uh, so good to, to be on, on this program. I, I go by uh, he, him, uh, pronoun, and uh, I'm so glad to be here. All right, and thank you. Just, uh, just an open-ended question for everyone to kind of jump us into the topic. What does liberation look like to you? Um, so if Mr. Addison wants to go first, uh, that's a, it's a very interesting question, and thanks for asking, because it's something that I think that many different groups are right now exploring, looking into, studying, perhaps, you know, trying to figure out what it, what it really means, what liberation really means. Because, you know, the question that many leaders are asking today, many philosophers as well are asking, are we really free? You know, is, 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 is freedom just an illusion or are we as humans or community or society, are we really free? Uh, and what does that mean to be free? So liberation is, is something that uh, in, in my understanding, uh, is, is you, you free yourself from a situation, from a condition uh, that um, perhaps uh, keeping you from accomplishing your goal or, or keeping you from being uh, fully integrated into society. So you are liberating yourself from something or someone um, so that you can be free to be able to do or uh, go to a particular place from, from A to B and B to C. So that I, I think is the concept here in terms of, in, in, in my uh, opinion, it, what it means, but again, I mean, I, we can go into, you know, some um, uh, kind of uh, definition uh, if, we gotta, if we wanna be technical in it, but I, I'm trying to, you know, provide at least some kind of a practical concept of understanding in terms of what 
at least in my opinion, what it means to me. So liberation is basically freeing yourself from someone or something that um, is keeping you or kept you from a fulfilling your dream or your goal or going to one place or another. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think that's a great answer. Um, for me, liberation, it's a similar concept. You're freeing yourself from constraints. Um, thinking about like, cause I've been trying to look into more historical, especially in like the Afro-Latin context, especially seeing like how in Cuba, like there was this whole like re revolutionary movement to liberate themselves, but then once the liberation came, specifically Afro-Cubans were pretty much pushed to the wayside, even killed due to the fact that they were pre, pre uh, proclaiming that since we're all free, we should be free too. <laughs> that is so true. And the concept of liberation at least in, in the Latin American understanding, and particularly uh, within the Black community, the, the African and their descendants, that concept, that word, liberation, independence, you know, uh, uh, from uh, the European uh, colony um, was an important word to them because you have a group of people who were enslaved for over 350 years, uh, at least they, that, that community, uh, they, they understood the, the word freedom. For them, freedom was not only liberating from, from the, the Spanish uh, or, or, or influence or the, or, the, or the Spaniards and the conquistadores and the, uh, and, and the control of uh, Spain over the new land for them it meant that you know wow finally um we are going to be recognized as human beings you know we're going to be recognized of people uh, if we fight you know next to the liberators those who are trying to obtain freedom for the community we fight along their side we will also, this is the concept again of the, the, uh, the slaves and, and those who are free, we will also be able to, to be one. We will become one, one community, you know, uh, and the community will finally accept us as who we are as individuals, as people, you know, as a race. Unfortunately, that did not happen. The black people and the Africans, uh, those who were enslaved and, and those who were freed, uh, fought along the liberators, but when the community, the people, the nation uh, obtained their independence from, from the European, they immediately forgot about the black people. In fact, what they did, they created laws and built in some nations, they built into their constitutions uh, uh, laws that prohibited blacks from obtaining education, uh, obtaining land, and uh, uh, you know, even, even jobs uh, that were basically uh, um, geared towards the, 
uh, European sort of whites in that in that part. So, so again, going back to the concept of liberation and freedom, for them, it, it meant so much. Uh, it was a huge deal for them uh, to to know that they would be uh, integrated into society, but then they were betrayed by the same people that promised to 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 integrate them and and did not do so. The other thing also that, that, that we need to understand to understand this concept of freedom is that you know, for over 350 years in Latin America, uh, blacks were viewed, and, and here in the United States as well. So we're talking about the continent itself, but, but particularly in Latin America, blacks were viewed as a people that are a community that um, uh, were practically in, used, uh, quote unquote, as, as merchandise. So they were not viewed as, as, as people, uh, but as, as a, uh, a product uh, that, that the owner, uh, the slaves or owners can, can do whatever they please. Uh, the second part uh, has to do also, not only with the philosophical concept that uh, intellectuals developed in Europe, creating this negative stereotype toward blackness and the black culture of the black people that influenced a lot of the decision, decisions in Latin America. Uh, but also you had the church, the, the uh, uh, you know, the Christianity that came with the Europeans to this land that also brought with them that concept of uh, black being uh, completely uh, negative um, and 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 black being, you know, uh, giving authority to the slaveholders uh, to do with with black people whatever they please, uh, and also one one thing that that the church did too, even though I'm you know I'm part of at the church, uh, but one thing that the church did uh, is that it declared. Uh, and allowed and enabled the Europeans to um, treat black people as though they were they they had no soul. So mm -hmm. because they mm -hmm. had no soul, it, it, they were you know they they just couldn't go to heaven. You know they were not um, admitted into heaven. That God would not receive them because these are people um, or animals or whatever you know, name they want to give them, uh, will not have access to heaven. Therefore, you can do with them anything you want to do. So you had all those concepts developing, uh, uh, leading into the liberation concept or the liberation understanding or philosophy at the time that motivated Black people to say, oh, wow, well, finally, you know, they will see that we have souls. Finally, they will see that we are people. Finally, we were we are going to be, you know, equal to the people that are fighting for liberation. And like I said previously, when that happened, unfortunately, they forgot about black people. The same, and you, 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 you mentioned, you know, about Cuba. Uh, the same thing happened uh, in Cuba. Not only when Cuba became an independent nation, but also when the revolution, uh, the Communist Party, came into power. From a similar situation that if black people, you know, uh, uh, fought, uh, uh, you know, alongside the the rebels, that the party will provide them with 
you know, a, uh, a position and place in society that they would be recognized. But then they got into power and immediately they were pushed aside. And then they created this concept, which again, not only in Cuba, but also in, in most Latin American countries, the concept that, you know, we, we are no longer a nation that uh, will be viewed or, or divided by race. You know, we are all Latin American. We're all Cubans, we're all Venezuelans, we're all uh, Brazilians, we're all Panamanians, we're all Honduran. So, so that we're not, we're not a, a, a country or a region that we are going to define ourselves by race. That, that was discrimination um, by, by doing so. Yeah. So I feel like I have a very similar um, idea of liberation to Mr. Addison. Like the topic of liberation changes depending on the context of the conversation, what you're framing it, right? Whether you're talking about, you know, racial liberation or where you talk about financial liberation, right? You know, there's so many layers. And again, it kind of gets down to that. What does it truly mean to be free? And can you ever truly be free when you live in any type of society that has any type of laws and rules and, you know, structure in which you have to give up certain, you know, freedoms, right? For the promise of protections and for the promise of security. Um, as far as the textbook definition, um, I have two, right? So the first defini definition is the action of setting someone free from imprisonment, slavery, or oppression, or oppression, right? Which we can definitely see plays into the context of, you know, particularly of Afro-descended people within the Americas, you know, North America, Latin America, and the Caribbean, right? Uh, liberation meant freedom from slavery. Liberation, you know, within that context meant freedom from the, from the oppressiveness of being seen as subhuman, you know, as to be seen as barely a living creature. And, you know, like it was said earlier, your property and, you know, that means that such a loaded statement, you know, there are people who treat their pets and dogs better than they would treat any slave, right? Uh, and if you were a quote unquote nice master, then maybe you did see your slaves the same way you saw your dog, like people love their dogs, right? You know, you can see that same mentality of, oh, I love my slave, but this, the same way I love a pet, like goldfish, my iguana, right? Then um, the second definition is, you know, a freedom on the limits of thought and behavior, right? And you can all see that within the context of everything that was happening, you know, back in like the 17 and 1800s, and even about the things that are going on today, right? The freedom of thoughts, the freedom to think and believe and to dare to dream to that, you know, that you can be better than what you are now. Um, but I did, you made a very interesting uh, statement about, you know, the impact of like, that religion had on and everything and how religion was kind of used as a, as a tool, right? Because when 
when the Europeans first came came over, right? You kind of needed an excuse to kind of for the average person, the average person can see what you're doing to this other human being and they can determine for themselves that it's not right. And without some sort of way to excuse the abuse as something that's okay, right? So you can do that through religion, you do that through science, you know, as long as you can make the people believe that, you know what, it's okay what we do to them because they don't feel pain, right? It's okay what they do because, you know, they're soulless anyway, so they don't have to worry about going to heaven or hell, right? We're doing the best that we can with them. Or you use science as a way to like, yeah, these guys are made to work and the conditions that us Europeans are not. In another vein, we wanted to talk about like the generational changes in the Afro-Latino community. It feels like uh, between people who are older in the Afro-Latino community and the new, like the net Gen Z and the millennial Afro-Latinos, there's a very big like difference. It feels like the, like my, my mother's generation, she's from Panama, like she didn't like back, like, I don't know if it was just like the community she lived in, but she didn't like where she was, she didn't feel any of the effects of like, oh, I'm being called negra, like I'm getting derogatory comments about my hair, like, and then coming here, she got all that stuff. And she had to, as like, when I was younger, she had to prep me for that kind of like derogatory uh, culture that we see like both over over in now Latin America and the US that are especially um, harmful to like, for me thinking about like the little girls who we, we see like, when I was in the Q&A uh, at the event, I asked you this question about the Olympics. <laughs> okay. I don't, so it feels like now the like younger millennial Gen Z are like, oh my gosh, Afro-Latino, like we love this, we're black, we're proud. And it feels like the older generation, they are kind of split on that. Like I have an uncle who he's like, well, I'm black and Panamanian, but I'm not black. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people who think that way, unfortunately. And again, it has to do with the information they have been fed uh, and the environment in which they grew up. And going back to your comment regarding the generational gap there between, you know, the, the Jay-Z, uh, Generation Z, Z and, and millennials, uh, particularly with the Afro-Latino community, the, the, the generation of the, of the parents, for example, of the, uh, like my, my parents, for example, um, they did not, um, uh, they, they experienced some kind of racism, but not in a, a totally direct racism because they lived in a community where everybody you know, looked the same most, most, most of the time. Uh, it was until they moved out, out of that safe environment where everybody uh, was black 
you know, and shared similar culture and language, uh, once they move out of that community, that's when they started to experience some kind of, you know, discrimination, racism, and, you know, the, the name calling and negative stereotypes and those kind of things. Uh, and they experience that. I think that the new generation of uh, Afro-Latino community today are more actively involved in, in movements and, and uh, organizations uh, because they have access to information that the, their parents did not have, as I mentioned earlier. And secondly, because you have a, a generation that it really wants to, to be included, a generation that uh, understands and, and experiences the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm black, but I'm not, I'm not visible. I'm, I'm Hispanic, but whenever they talk about Hispanics, you know, I don't see much of people that looks like myself, you know what I mean? So uh, they, that they're black, you know, and I don't see them elevating in the way that they would do with, with other uh, members of the community uh, uh, to my culture, to myself. And so they have been more proactive in creating you know, the space and platforms where they can be visible and also demanding that, uh, they be, they, that the community and um, organizations and institutions you know, recognized uh, their existence and presence. So yeah, there are two different um, groups and uh, and and, uh, and generation uh, that behave completely different than what the new generation behave today. Because again, they're coming from two different kind of experiences that they lived. Um, those in the past and those who are going through this new wave of, you know, opportunity of um, creating space to become visible in society. Yeah. And I think, you know, with a lot of our, you know, this being the age of information, the age of the internet, right? You know, we have, we have access to so much information. Um, and I think particularly about kind of learning about the past. And I think what some of that has allowed, you know, a lot of younger people to do. Um, and I think it's something that you help with, particularly, you know, on the panel is kind of shedding light to a lot of like the erasure of Afro-descended people and the fight for liberation throughout the years, whether it was in the past or today. Um, do you want to speak a little bit on that erasure? Uh, well, yeah, uh, I, I think the Afro-Latino community have, have been invisible for centuries in, in Latin America. And it, I think we come to the point in which we, we say to ourselves, you know, enough is enough. Uh, it's time that society recognized who we are. It's time to remove the negative stereotypes that have been, that we have been labeled with. And uh, it's time uh, for our community to really take advantage of the opportunities that everybody else, uh, everyone else has. And so uh, you have that kind of uh, movement and, and people in the Afro-Latino community that 
are now really being, as I said, being proactive and moving forward with this concept of this idea and shaking actually some of the uh, institutions as well. I mean, you have, for example, you have a Amara La Negra, for example, who is very vocal in that in that regard. You know, you, you have others who have been and continue to to be um, a, um, speakers and um, the people who are really just expressing themselves and and trying to change that concept that in the past uh, they would say, for example, that you know. Uh, one of the reasons why we don't have black people uh, in front of cameras, for example, or in television, which you know, I'm leading a movement here with other organizations to change that, is that they would say that 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 black black doesn't sell. You know, that's the concept that blackness uh, doesn't sell, and that's one of the reasons why they they don't include a lot of black people and camera or in front of camera and television, and so. Yeah, so that generation is changing it. And, and I'm glad that I'm, I'm part of that too, that generation that is doing something about it. You know, we, we're no longer um, sitting down, uh, just lamenting the fact that, you know, why, why, why aren't we, uh, you know, leading uh, important uh, um, places in society uh, we're no longer lamenting the fact that, oh my gosh, you know what? We, we could have been there, but we're not, but we're not there. We can't do it. Uh, I don't think that's the mentality anymore. I think it's like, wait a minute. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. You know, I, I have my degree. I have, uh, 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 I, I have my, my skills. I'm an artist. I'm a singer. I can, I can be like everybody else, but the, I'm not going to allow society to judge me uh, by the color of my skin or, or just because I am an Afro-descendant. And so we are basically making statements. We are right now uh, changing the narrative to create a, a new society where, you know, Black people will be, uh, in Latin America, will be included in, in most of, uh, on, on, on all of the uh, areas uh, in, in society. And, and that's why, again, we have this movement um, in which we are calling part particularly the uh, television uh, programs and stations in Latin America to have a more diverse, you know, a, uh, staff there and, 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 and entertainment uh, so that black community, black people, men, women, and children um, can have the opportunity to be a part of, of their programs. Because right now, in many uh, Hispanics or Latin American television, you will not see that many uh, people that look like me, for example, and, and television. Uh, and and, and we, we're trying to change that. And, and not only trying, we are going to change that. And uh, so that the next generation that, that's coming, the uh, millennials that are coming, that are becoming uh, you know, television producers and um, uh, anchors and, uh, you know, um, wants to be in, in the news in terms of, you know, news anchor, they can sit and, and be in front of cameras and, uh, and data uh, television programs just like everybody else. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why we're fighting. So yes, you have this generation 
uh, generation in millennials uh, that are really, you know, doing something different than previous generation. They're changing the narrative. They are demanding that we have uh, a, a space around the table so that we can sit and make decisions as well, uh, decisions that will uh, help the community move forward. Yeah, and then on the topic of erasure, um, one of my uh, friends, Dash Harris, she runs Afro-Latinx Travel. Um, she always mentions that like Latin America doesn't bring out the black people until it's time to win something. So a lot they're very overrepresented on the sports like football, ru uh, running, and all these other sports. You find them all over the place. But once you get to what you're saying, like TV anchors, you don't see anybody. That is true uh, because again you. It comes from this uh, understanding, this philosophical uh, concept or notion, that, again, that blackness does not sell, that blackness, uh, that black people can only be uh, promoted uh, in areas where they can participate in physical events, like for example, sports, um, uh, soccer is one, one area which is very popular in Latin America. Uh, but, but beyond that, that's a different concept. I mean, thank God that uh, FC Campbell, who is now the vice president of Costa Rica, is now representing the entire community. But FC Campbell um, didn't get there just easily. I mean, she, she fought you know, for her entire life to change the concept and notion and understanding of Blackness in Costa Rica. Of course, together with many other Costa Rican leaders, men and women, uh, who have done wonderful uh, work in Costa Rica to create the, the uh, opportunity for FC Campbell to become the first uh, Black vice president, not only of Costa Rica, but the entire you know, Latin American uh, country, a, a region. And so, um, yeah, so they are, uh, um, view black people as just, um, uh, you know, sport material. Uh, but when it comes to in, uh, intellectual concept, uh, when it comes to, you know, leading the nation, like in, uh, be, be a doc to be a doctor or to attorneys or all that, uh, all those, professional areas, then they are definitely excluded. I mean, if you have two individuals, one black and one a Hispanic, white Hispanic, both of them have the same degree, both have the same capability of doing the work, or even perhaps the, the black person might have um, uh, better credentials in terms of you know, the other person, but because again of the person's, the physical appearance, they will definitely choose the one that represents the Eurocentric a, a concept of, uh, or what the Latin American try to promote, which is whiteness instead of blackness uh, in the region. Yeah. Um, and I, can, it, I definitely feel that, that over-representation or necessarily the under-representation, right? Um, particularly, I would say here, in the States, there's been a conversation about, 
you know, visibility, who's visible, who's not visible, right? You know, if you spoke to like maybe a random person on the street and ask them, you know, which country you think, you know, outside of the, all the like countries in Africa had like the most black people, they'd probably say the United States, which is technically incorrect, right? We're probably the second largest group of Afro-descendant people outside the continent, but the largest number by like, you know, a few million more than us is in Brazil, I believe. But when, you, but when you think of Brazil as a country, you think of, you know, a Brazilian person, you don't think of an Afro-descendant person. Like uh, you, there are so many people who you would talk to them they're like, like that wouldn't come to their mind, right? An Afro-descendant person being a Colombian would not come to their mind when they think of what a Colombian is, or, you know, when it comes to like Argentina or Venezuela and stuff like that. So um, again, I think, as someone who lives in the States, it's, I don't want to get into what can we necessarily can we do um, to change that? Unless, actually, no, there, there may be steps that we can take here, at least in educating the people here, you know, that, you know, the all of America is a very diverse place, right? Not just the United States, despite what you might see on TV, you know, everywhere from Central America to South America is very culturally diverse, you know, um, and it's kind of up to us to, unfortunately it's up to us as individuals to kind of educate ourselves um, since we don't have many systems which are going to provide that um, on a grand scale, you know, but it's definitely something with, I think people need to, you know, at least start taking the steps to learn, right? To kind of explore what does life, you know, in other places actually look like and what do the people actually look like? Yeah. Well, one of the steps that we are making at this moment, we're taking at this moment is um, we build a, uh, some kind of coalition or movement, as I mentioned previously. Uh, the movement is to demand uh, racial diversity and Hispanic television. And we have approximately about nine, 10 uh, different groups and institutions that, are, that have joined and going to, uh, they are co-sponsoring the letter that we will be sending out to, to all the major uh, television stations here, Hispanic television stations here in the United States, as well as in Latin America, Mexico, all the way Mexico, and uh, uh, Venezuela and places, and even uh, Brazil, where you have uh, some production as well, uh, demanding, you know, that uh, they have, they diversify, they, they create the diversity, racial diversity, you know, and um, um, in their programs. And so we also uh, have an unchanged.org, uh, have a petition there, and we invite your audience to help us in, in, in signing the petition, uh, which is in English and Spanish, you'll find it in, in both there, in English and Spanish, uh, in which we're asking the television uh, stations in, in Latin America to, again, uh, provide more diver diversity, more racial diversity. 
that we want to see more uh, um, uh, Black Hispanics in television. We want to see more Black Hispanics in their entertainment programs. We want to see more Black Hispanics, uh, men and women and children as well, you know, uh, actors and actresses, you know, uh, yeah, and, and uh, their uh, soap opera, which is a very popular telenovelas in, in Latin America. But we don't want to see them play, you know, uh, negative stereotypes roles and, and, these, and these programs. We want to see them, you know, playing, you know, informative, uh, important roles as well, is so that, you know, the community can be and feel proud and, and, and together we can uh, build uh, and heal the nation from, you know, racial discrimination. Uh, we are asking the corporation, the television corporation to, to lead, you know, the community in not only in creating the healing process, but also to, to show that, that Latin America is a community uh, of diverse, you know, uh, racial diversity. And, uh, and that it, once they open up the doors to um, more black people, uh, Afro-Latinos, you know, into their programs, they will, they will lead, you know, the different nations uh, and, and other aspects of society uh, to, to also open up the doors so that uh, a doctor can be, you know, the, the head of, of the pediatric department in, in one, uh, whatever hospital in Latin America or uh, uh, a, a black person can be an attorney a general in the, in the nation or, you know, uh, any area that, that uh, black communities and black professionals and black people they are not are not visible, and so we're asking people to go to uh, change.org and and sign the petition to help us really get the numbers that we that we need to present to these corporations uh, and start making the changes that are necessary, changes that will help the community, you know, be more visible in um, television and also in society. Yeah. yeah, we definitely like you. Um, I'll post our email in the chat so you can email us the link. Sure. Yeah, um, and also um, if if you are able to uh, send us, you mentioned um, uh, different like websites and organizations earlier as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you want to provide those and we can put those in our chat as in the chat as well. Um, and then we can also post those and share them to our social media so people can start learning about them. Yeah, the um, one thing that Corey kind of touched on was like, how can um, Black people in the US, other than the change petition, help bring more awareness to causes like that? Because uh -huh. I feel like um, being, like my dad's African-American and then my mother is Afro-Latina, so. I've found myself a lot of the times tr trying to educate, but I feel like there's definitely ways that I could like, it can make it easier for me to help people educate themselves. Um, do you have any tips on that? Uh, well, uh, I, I think one way um, is, is the first thing I think that anyone could do is to, share your own story. You know, 
talk about like what you just shared, for example, you know, that your uh, mother from Panama, father from an African-American, share your experience in terms of growing up in, in, that, in that kind of environment, you know, with having two people who are uh, black, but yet, you know, coming from two different cultures. Um, so sharing your story is one way of, of educating people. Uh, the other way is, um, you know, reading. I mean, uh, providing materials to people so that they can, so that they can learn about not the, the past, the history, uh, to see, you know, where uh, our community have been, uh, and also where our community uh, is is today, and and where we are heading, you know, into the future. So those are ways that we can help people, educate people, uh, sharing our stories and uh, talking about it and creating, you know, events like this one. I mean, you guys are really uh, doing uh, wonderful work right now by creating, allowing your platform to have the, this type of conversation in which the audience, uh, I hope that will get a lot of information about this particular topic about the Afro-Latino community, which perhaps you know many may have not uh, heard of the, the existence of uh, uh, Afro-Latinos or have very perhaps lim uh, very limited information about it. And you may have those who have a lot of information, but uh, still hungry to to learn more about about the subject about the topic. So the you know creating. Uh, um, platforms like this and, and programs uh, like this one also help, uh, you know, educate people about the African diaspora and particularly those in, in Latin America. Because people, for example, people don't know that they are black people in Argentina, for example, or, yeah. you yeah. know, people, people don't know that um, they're black people in Mexico and, and how that community is really rebuilding itself at this time, and how the the uh, actual uh, uh, president of Mexico is now, because of pressure, uh, integrating the um, black Mexicans, you know, into into their society. But for years, they have been ignored, just like the uh, black community in uh, in Argentina and the black community in Chile as well and these yeah. two countries are have been excluding these black people for generations actually in argentina they started to bring um some uh, history of black people in argentina to to the surface uh, i believe in 2013 uh, yeah. but but because of the united nation and because of international organization who have been putting a lot of pressure on some of the government in Latin America uh, to be more, you know, um, uh, to respect the dignity of, of the, the indigenous people in the land. Uh, you, you see all this uh, coming to the surface, all the history coming to the surface, uh, particularly uh, the history of most of the black people in Argentina that we did not even know, you know, yeah. existed. So, so those are ways that uh, people can can learn more, um, like through this program, for example, uh, through reading uh, and yeah. us sharing our stories. Okay, yeah, 
one book recommendation I have to give due to your comment. I just finished reading West Indians of Costa Rica because my grandfather was Tico from Puerto Limon. So a friend who's also from that area of Costa Rica recommended the book. It was very great read. I learned so much about the history of probably what my, my grandfather's passed by already, but the history of what probably was going on when he was a youth in Costa Rica. Yes, there are a lot of books uh, up there today that a lot of and, and authors are, are publishing. And the, the important about it is, is that these are Black authors. They're not, you know, Europeans or European descendants who are writing the story according to their point of view. These are now, you have a lot of authors who are now publishing and write, writing and publishing, you know, our own history and doing a lot of researches and yeah. uh, getting all the documentation, all the information, putting it together and publishing that and, and sharing the story. And I think, and I think it's wonderful to, to yeah. have that done, you know, to see it, yeah. to see it done. I, yeah. I, I do publish most of the, the, the late books the one that I just uh, published is in Spanish, but I you know, hope to do it in English so that people may uh, get information about it. But it's, it's, it, I started to write uh, uh, um, particularly fiction because um, I did not see a lot of uh, authors, uh, black authors, black Hispanic authors in Latin America uh, writing fiction. And it's not that, that, and again, it's not that they don't exist, the problem is, is that they did not, the, the nation and the community and the region did not give them the platform for them to really present their, their, their books, you know, to the public. So I decided to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to join the, the small, the minority of, of authors and writers, and together we are going to make noises out there until, you know, our materials are placed in, uh, in a visible location where people can have access to the book and have access to uh, the information as well. Yes, and you know, speaking of some of the projects you're working on, is there anything that you want to share with the audience as far as any projects, initiatives, events that you have, have going on, anything that people you want people to keep an eye out for? Yeah, wonderful. thank you. Uh, again, like I mentioned, to go to uh, change.org and and just sign that petition. Uh, if you speak Spanish, it's fine. If, if you don't, there's an English version of it in terms of where we are, uh, uh, again, asking and demanding the television uh, stations and network in, in Hispanics here in, in the United States and Latin America to have more um, uh, racial diversity in, in their programs. If you can help us in that, uh, definitely would appreciate that. Uh, so, and, and again, we work working with the movement. We have uh, organizations such as uh, uh, afropresencia.org is, is uh, uh, one of the, the first um, group that said, yes, we, we want to uh, join the, the movement. We have the uh, Afro-Latino professionals in Miami uh, that also said yes, and they are working again. Uh, we are all working together to, uh, to see this project, you know, come to fruition, to see a more um, Afro-Latinos uh, on television and, and particularly in, in the telenovelas, uh, we have the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Honduras, who've also said, yes, he's uh, the first black 
bishop in Honduras, uh, and he's also joining, uh, has joined the movement. We, are, we have a Afro-feminist uh, from uh, Spain, uh, who is also uh, has joined the movement. And um, uh, we have a, there's, there are others that are coming. Uh, oh, there, there's a, it's called a Racismo MX or Racism MX, which is from Mexico, is a, is a, uh, a union, uh, an organization that is also working uh, to eradicate uh, systemic racism in, in Mexico. And they also uh, jo have joined the movement and uh, have interest in signing the, the petition. Um, I see, I think those are basically some of the movement we have um, from Honduras. There's an uh, organization that is um, uh, the Martin Luther King uh, uh, organization that is also have joined uh, recently. Uh, and and I, I'll give you the list, I'll send you the list of uh, the organizations that are coming on board and, and uh, joining the movement because all of us and these organizations and institutions we all have one thing in common, and that is, you know, uh, it, it's time for us to unite and to fight this systemic racism and discrimination against us. And it's time to let the television corporation, Hispanic television corporation know that it's time for them to start, you know, creating programs where um, they provide a lot of um, opportunities for uh, people who are not part of the Eurocentric um, uh, race and mentality, but are part of the Afro-Latino community. And so uh, we believe that together we, we will make a difference. Yes. And thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you for this entire conversation. I think that this has been a very enlightful conversation. Yes, definitely. I hope all of our listeners have gained something and learned something from this conversation. Um, at the very least, I know I learned a lot, you know, just over the course of the conversation, yes. you know, a few new things that I definitely didn't know from before. Yeah. And I don't, uh, can I just say something else? And I, I don't know um, uh, I, if this is going to be uh, out for the, for the time in which uh, the Miami MOCA a creative conversation and uh, November the 28th uh, from 4 to, to, to 5.30, uh, we'll, we'll have a conversation on an art uh, and also on history as well. Uh, what we're going to be doing is exploring, you know, the invisibility of Black artists in Latin America and, and, and how historically Black artists have been a, basically placed uh, on, a, on a platform where uh, they are a secondary platform um, in which their arts are not included into galleries or museums in many Latin Americans and understand the reason, the history behind that. So we were going to have very interesting conversation on the, on the subject. And I hope that, that uh, your audience will be able to tune in and, uh, and be able to, uh, to participate. And just go to miamimocad.org and there you will get the information and 
uh, and the link to join the conversation. We'll have people like, uh, you know, Candy Lopez will be there, Erica James uh, will be there, um, Patricia Encarnacion will be there. I will be there providing uh, information in terms of the history and uh, Marilyn Holyfield, who is the co-founder of the Miami MOCAN, uh, will also be part of the conversation. So I hope um, uh, those of you who are uh, joining this conversation will be able to, uh, to be with us as well. Yes, and you said that was the 28th? The 28th, November. November. Yes, sir, the 28th, November 28th. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the schedule uh, is gonna be from 4 p.m. to 3 to 5, 5.30 p.m. Okay, I'll definitely catch the Facebook Live replay because I work until five. I would have loved to be there though. Oh, nice, thank you. <laughs> yes, and we'll definitely let our listeners know via social media. Um, and this episode should, I'm going to say should, be airing on the 28th as well. Um, so it should be coming out that morning. So if you're able to listen to this before the time of the event and you just have enough time to be able to catch it, definitely feel free to. Um, if not, hopefully this uh, discussion will also be on their Facebook page as well. Um, hopefully, I can't promise anything, but... If you can, definitely check it out. Um, but we are going to post it to our social media and let everyone know. Very good. And like, can I plug in my, my book here? The El Actor y la Sombra. Of course. Thank, thank you. Yes, El Actor y la Sombra. If you speak Spanish, or even if you're learning Spanish, it would be a wonderful gift to, to someone, particularly now that the holidays are coming coming up. It's a great, uh, great gift to learn about uh, the... Uh, you know, the story and, and how the character is trying to change the narrative in Latin America and become the first um, Black actor to, uh, uh, to lead a, a television a soap opera uh, in Latin America. So hope you can, you can you know, purchase the book. It's on Amazon or in any uh, bookstore in your community. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be happy to know that uh, that you will be, you know, uh, having a copy of it. And, and if, or, or would you like for me to sign, just uh, go to my, you know, social media pages and let me know. And I'll be glad to uh, let you know when I will be in your community to sign the book. Thank you for yes. the opportunity. And we are definitely going to link your book in the description. Yes. Thank you. We, I'm going to make a few social media posts in regards to this. So I'll include your book in that as well. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for the opportunity really to uh, share this knowledge and, uh, and an upcoming events that we're having. It was a pleasure. This was it definitely was a, a lovely conversation. Um, this was definitely, I think a necessary conversation as, as well. Um, yes. Just remembering like even, you know, here within the United States that, you know, blackness is not a monolith, right? you know, whether you're Black within the context of the United States is mono, not a monolith, but also, you know, there's so many facets of Blackness that come from so many other regions of the world, you know, that have nothing to have nothing to do with, you know, 
you know, how blackness was raised here, right? So mm -hmm. we should do everything we can to just like learn and explore, you know, and embrace all these different facets and all these different, you know, cultures. And I think we need to have a, more of that, this kind of conversation, not from a religious point of view, not, you know, an indoctrination concept, but I'll think also in terms of how religion uh, played, uh, at least in the, in the mentality of the slave owner and also uh, it, to the black, the black people, the black community, um, and, and how that really, even today, how that affects us, you know, our, our thoughts and, and uh, our mor moralities, for example, um, uh, views of, 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 of society and, and the earth. And, um, you know, I think all these different layers of, of, of religion that we should have a conversation about and how it affects us as a, as a community, as, a, as, as people. I, I wrote, um, and I will also uh, send you the link, a, a long time ago, an article on the misconception of the Afro-Latino religion as well, uh, like, like Santeria, for example, or Guru, for example, and how they, uh, the, the, the people in control and power, how they uh, turned these religions into something negative uh, with the intention of uh, discriminating the, 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 the black community uh, with the intention of co continue with the, uh, with the racism. And so, because they did not want to, the black people to worship in their own language and their tradition, uh, they labeled them and gave them negative stereotypes. Um, you know, that those are evil worshipers or all that kind of stuff. So I wrote an article uh, talking about that, um, how um, historically uh, they have been labeled, uh, mislabeled, I may say in a negative way, uh, and, and how we, Black people need to um, go back and study and 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 you know regain uh, these practices and give them the place that they deserve, not in a negative way, but but remove the negative uh, layers that they have and build them into something to, into a positive one. So I'll I'll send you the link so you can see it and read it and perhaps share it with with your audience as well definitely i know definitely. i definitely want to read it um, yes me too <laughs> and if um if it definitely if you're interested um we will this this again like sasha said this has been a kind of topic that has been it just repeatedly comes up every so often um definitely starting in 2022 definitely in 2022 we are planning on doing a, uh, a bit of a long, having a long form discussion about, you know, religion in the black community and, you know, when it comes to Christianity and then when it comes to, you know, quote unquote, ATRs, when it comes to traditional religions, when it comes to voodoo, when it comes to hoodoo and santeria. Um, uh, definitely, if you're if these are conversations that you're interested in, 
interested in having, we would love to have you um, on the panel for these discussions. Um, so you're more than welcome to come back anytime, anytime you please. Thank you. Yeah, no, I would love to, yes. Uh, and also learn from others as well. I think it would be an opportunity to, to learn and share with each other, to have that kind of conversation. It would be uh, um, like a, you know, being in, um, in a, a tribe, you know, all the group of um, intellectuals and with knowledge coming together and sharing and learning from each other. I think that that would be a wonderful thing. And I would be, I would love to participate in something like that, where we all learn from each other, not, not to compete with each other, not to impose on each other, but where we can share and see where we have been as a community and uh, how society have, have treated us and uh, label us in such a negative way and how together we can start removing those negative layers mm -hmm. and change it into mm -hmm. something positive. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Right. I hope you guys all heard that. So as always, feel free to like, share, and subscribe to Cozy Chat, you know? Um, you can follow us at Cozy Chat Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And can you share your um, social media handles as well, Mr. Addison? Yes, sure. Uh, and Twitter is uh, O Addison and uh, Twitter. And uh, Facebook, it will be Orlando J. Addison as an author. I have an author page there uh, that people can, can tune in. And also Instagram as well, uh, where they can, uh, you know, reach me as well. Okay. Yes. And for any of our listeners who want to get in on the conversation, uh, maybe you have some questions for either us, so you have some questions for Mr. Addison, or, you know, Maybe you have some articles about the topic that you really want to share to help, you know, further the topic of discussion. Feel free to email us at cozychatpodcast at gmail.com. Right. As always, I'm Corey and my am Young Royalty 580 on Instagram and Twitter. And I am Sasha and I'm at Sashmark underscore Marguerite, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yes and we will see you guys next time next time guys All right. bye bye, bye. bye.